coming both online as well as in person. We thank you for coming. I appreciate the online audience, but I like seeing y'all faces. So thank you so much again. All right, we're going to go ahead and pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, praise you, love you, honor you, and appreciate you for all that you are, all that you mean. God, I'm praying that you would hide me beneath the cross. You would think through my mind and speak through my mouth, God, that you would illuminate the hearts of every listener, God, and touch their ear. And he that hath an ear, God, let him hear what the Spirit is going to say to them. God, move up and down every aisle, in and out every row. Let no one's coming be in vain. God, touch us in every way imaginable so we can walk out of here and actually be the church and do the work. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. And let everybody say, Amen. At this time, with your Bibles in your hands, would you repeat after me? This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I will have what it says I will have. I'm a part of Deliverance Temple where we love by living our vision every day. We connect with our Creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. We commit to serve creatively. We communicate Christ's love compassionately. Pastor Andre, teach me this word. If you believe you're going to be taught, would you go ahead and put your hands together? We are going to give you the title of today's sermon. The title is The Power of Perspective. Somebody say, The Power of Perspective. We're going to say it all uh, together one more time. The Power of Perspective. There's two stories whenever I talk about perspective that I'd like to bring up. And both of them are things that you've heard me say before if you've been here for a while. But I'm going to share both of them because they're very impactful to me when I think about perspective. Number one is a personal story. Number two is a story that I read in a book. So the personal story is the time that me and my wife, Devin, were in Colorado Springs preaching a revival, doing ministry together. And we remember seeing these big, tall, beautiful mountains known as the Rocky Mountains, some of the most beautiful mountains that you'll ever see. And so I, I always say that to look at them in their fullness, you almost look like you were breaking your neck. However, on the flight back to Indianapolis, the same mountains that look so huge from the ground seem so small from the air. The exact same mountains, but it was just a different perspective, a different vantage point. Perspective can change everything. The mountains on the ground looked too big for me, that like they were all consuming. So, so beautiful, but the mountains in the air seemed so minuscule. So that's my personal story. The second story is a story I read in, from a man, the late Stephen Covey. And he writes about, and I, I'll paraphrase it because I don't remember it correctly, but he writes about a time where there was a man on a subway, and he had five children, and the five children just running up and down the subway, just acting a natural-born fool. And there was another guy on the subway looking at this man thinking, why don't you do something with these kids? They're just running around. And so finally the man said something to the other man. He said, excuse me, but can you get your kids? And the man with a sullen face said, I know I should, but my wife, their mother, just died, and I don't know what to do. And I'm just letting them run around because I don't even know how to tell them what just happened. The man who approached th that man, he totally had a different perspective. At first, is you just letting your kids run around secondarily, he thought, oh my God, you're going through something. So perspective can change everything. So perspective has power. 
And what I need you to understand, based on how you see a thing, determines how you can move through a thing. And I've got to say, Deliverance Temple, we have gone through some stuff in 2021. And how we see it, how we view it, determines everything. So we have to make sure our perspective is correct. Let's look at some definitions. Let's go uh, our, our normal pattern of giving definitions and sending them to the definition of perspective. A particular attitude toward or way of regarding something, a point of view. Very, very self-explanatory. I won't even give any extra to that. Very self-explanatory. Let's give some uh, synonyms. So outlook, point of view, position, angle, attitude. I, I, I like that because it's popped up twice. Attitude. Attitude is va valuable. Uh, frame of mind, frame of reference, approach, way of looking or thinking about a thing, vantage point, interpretation. Uh, so many things that I can point out. Let me just stop and talk about attitude. Somebody said your attitude determines your altitude. You can look at what you're going through and you can have a nasty attitude about what you're going through. And then what happens is you get stuck in what you're going through because your attitude determines your altitude. How high you go is determined by how you feel about a thing down on the inside. So no matter what you've been through and no matter what you've been in, you've got to protect your attitude. You've got to protect your perspective. You've got to figure out how do I view a thing? How do I frame a thing? How do I look at this? Working with some people, especially young women, single women specifically, when they have had failed relationships, in their mind. See, some, something I've learned about single women, sometimes y'all are in relationship and the man didn't know y'all was in relationship. And so he broke up with me, but he never said y'all was an item. You were just talking to them and you developed feelings. You, you, that nowadays they say you caught feelings, but you failed to tell him that you caught feelings, and when he catches feelings with somebody else because he thought y'all was just friends, you say, man, God always allow men to let me down. Well, why don't you just open your mouth and tell folk what you really feel? If you like them, tell them you like them. Stop, 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 stop playing around. And here's the thing. You're setting expectations on people that nobody else knew about. Your perspective sometimes is off. Another thing, and I've said it before, please let me know when you're in competition with me. See, I thought we was friends, and I come to find out later, you it was a competition to you, and you mad at me. How about you just tell me it's a competition so we can compete together instead of you acting like you're my friend and you're actually competing with me? And then you get an attitude with me when God blesses me, but I didn't know we was in competition. I thought we was in this thing together. Many times your problem starts with your perspective. You see things one way, but if you can step back and see it God's way, then many times you won't set yourself up for a lot of the things that you go through is because your perspective is wrong. So what we have to do is, and, and I wrote it in the book, my first book that I released in 2005, we, 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 we've got to have on, we've got to be four-eyed creatures. We've got to put on the glasses of faith. We, we have to put on the eyes of faith. We have to see things the way God sees things. Yes, the world looks at you and says you're going through hell, but you see things and say, I'm coming out on the other side. Yes, yes, I'm going through. The key word is through. I won't stay here forever. I'm going through. So you're not going to get me to be stuck and, and, and complaining and, and, and fumbling around and giving God a bunch of grief. No, I understand this is temporary. This is momentary. I'm not going to go through forever. So guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to buckle up. I'm going to change my perspective. I'm going to deal with what I got to deal with, but I'm going to come through. And just like Peter, when I'm converted, I'm going to strengthen somebody else. 
devil is hard right now, but I'm not crying. And, 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 and when I say crying, I'm talking about in a perpetual state of crying. I'm talking about in a perpetual state of woe is me. No, I'm not going to take the woe is me attitude. Yes, I'm grieving now. Yes, I'm hurting now. Yes, I'm depressed now. Yes, I'm anxious now. Yes, I'm in depression. I'm in debt now. Yes, I'm broke now, but I understand all those things are just temporary. So I'm not going to take my permanent praise and I'm not going to exchange it for a temporary problem. Let, let, let me talk to this side because it seems like y'all caught that. I said, I'm not going to take my permanent praise and exchange it for a temporary problem. Yes, this grief is temporary. This pain is temporary. This hurt is temporary. But my praise is eternal. So I'll praise you anyhow. I'll bless you anyhow. I'll worship anyhow. Because I understand that God, you still sit on the throne. God, you still have power in your hand. God, you still put breath in my body. God, you're still the wheel in the middle of the wheel. You're still the God that I serve. So I praise you anyhow. If you listen to pretty much the majority of my sermons in 2021, they've all had this same thing. We started off in the, the in the first several months. We started talking about worship, but it had the same theme. The theme of the very first message that I preached in the new year was worthy worship. And it was the idea is as long as God is yet worthy, he still deserves the worship. No matter what we're going through. I didn't know how bad 2021 would get, but what I do understand is that God was giving us something to understand that as long as our perspective doesn't drop, we'll get through it and we'll be better when we get to the other side. That includes you online as well. I need you to understand you will get through this thing. All right, let's go back and do what we did last week. We're going to look at how the Psalms are broken up. We're going to go back to Psalms. So let's Let's put that, that graphic up. So last week we talked about the book of Psalms and how it is broken up into five books. Book one, book two, book three, book four, and book five. Uh, book one is uh, from one to 41. Book two is from 42 to 72. Book three is 73 to 89, and you can see the rest of them. But we're going to focus on book three today. There's 17 Psalms in book three. So we'll put the graphic up. Book three goes from 73 to 89, but what we're going to do, we're going to start at Psalm 73, and it is the entry point. Just like we did last week, we started with Psalms 42, which was the entry point of book two. This is the entry point of book three, but we're going to give you a little background so you can understand what this division of Psalms is. So let's put this up, and we'll I'll read it. Book three of Psalms contains a great deal of lamentation and complaint, divine judgment, both positive and negative, comes to the fore in many of the psalms here. Contemplating these psalms gives us a mirror in which to explore our own faithfulness or lack of it, as well as to express our actual feelings to the God who was able to reconcile everything to himself. I'll pause and try to explain this just a bit. I, I love the Psalms because the Psalms are very real. And in this Psalms is where we get, or this book is where we get a lot of the complaints. Here's the truth of the matter is if you are saved, you sometimes have stuff to complain about. When I say I won't complain, it's not that I couldn't complain. I have things to complain about, but I learned that there's only one person powerful enough to handle my complaint. See, everybody can't handle my complaint. So you don't turn your complaint to people who can't fix your complaint. You turn your complaint to the only one who can fix it, which is God. But the problem is religion has taught us we can't question God. You, 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 you just got to grin and bear. But, 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 but I thought he wouldn't put more on me than what I can bear. And this is a whole bunch. So I can't talk to you about it. But I'm sure enough going to talk to him about it. 
And I like how the Psalms and some of the writers, and I'll bring up a few other writers, who they actually told God what they really felt. There are prayers of petition where you are asking God to do things, but there's actually prayers of complaint where you're looking at certain things and you're asking God, why is this? One of the complaints that many Christians have is, why does good things happen to bad people? And why do bad things happen to good people? This person's name came up in my head. It's actually a person that lives in Muncie. Some of you actually would know them. Some of you may not. But as I was coming down the stairs, this person's name popped up in my mind this morning because last night I seen them post a story where they were praising God and just singing. And I actually inboxed them. And I said, sing, sister. And she laughed. It was Teresa Carter who's married to Devin. Anybody know about Teresa and Devin know that their their son died in a tragic accident. But something about the faith of Teresa and Devin, but Teresa specifically, that says that even though I lost my child tragically, I'm still going to praise God. I'm I'm still going to praise God. And, and, and Teresa actually blew my mind because when my father passed, she, she sent me a message and said, I'm praying for you. And if there's anything I can do, I'm just thinking just a few months earlier, you lost your son, but you're trying to help me. That's See, when you have the right perspective, hell cannot take you out. I don't care what comes your way. You find a way to rise above it. You find a way to overcome. You'll praise God through it. And that's the difference between us and the world. This joy that we have. The world did not give it to us so the world can't take it away. I'm going to laugh anyhow. I'm going to worship anyhow. I'm going to give anyhow. I'm just going to celebrate anyhow because I understand that my complaint goes to God. And whether he fixes it now or over there, he going to fix it. I, I, I love being real. I love the reality. So, so late, lately, all of the siblings, all of the Mitchell siblings, uh, we, we, we've been in a group, group text and we've just been talking amongst each other. Uh, and it, it's so beautiful in, in the sense that that's one of the things that my father always wanted is that the siblings would come together. Now, we were always been together, but not together together. You know how it is when you siblings. I like you, but I tolerate you. But, but, but my, my daddy was like, no, we want y'all to be together. So, so we, 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 we've been together. And, and, and Brother Stephen wrote something in, in, in our group text that I don't think he would mind me sharing. He said, one of the hard things is, is that at, at the beginning of the year, I was writing out all my prayers. And one of the things that I, I wrote out consistently was for the health of our parents. So, so, so it's hard to go through this because it seems like God didn't really answer the prayer that, that, that I wrote out. And, 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 and I, I read what he said, but in the moment, I was in the parking lot of Panera, but in the moment, God gave me something that, that, that was so profound. I, I wrote back to him. I said, I understand exactly how you feel, but the truth of the matter is the greatest, greatest healing will never happen on this side. The greatest healing happens on the other side. And he wrote me back big facts, big facts, brother, because I understand at the end of the day, God still answered my prayer. He still healed my daddy and he gave him his reward. So I'm going to praise God anyhow. I'm going to shout hallelujah anyhow because my perspective is God still has done it all for me. Because what God has for me. It is for me. Devil, you can't snatch it away from me. Devil, you can't back me in a corner. I know who I serve. I, I know who I believe. And if God be for me, who can be against me? My perspective is okay. It's, it's about my perspective. Got to see these things right. Let's, I, I got to get into the word, but let, let's, let's bring this point up. We talked about this last week. And so uh, it, it says in the previous thing, it says contemplating these songs. So when we look thoughtfully for a long time at some of these songs, it gives us 
some hope. So let's start with Psalm 73 and 1, and we'll have Mother Mitchell begin to read that. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. It says surely, meaning there is a lot of confidence in that first verse. Doesn't sound like a complaint to me. It sounds like the, the writer, which is Aesop, it sounds like he understands God. Surely God is good to Israel. One verse says, surely God is good to his people, to those who are of pure heart. But look at the next verse. The next verse turns a corner you wouldn't expect from the first verse. Let's look at Psalm 73, 2. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. How, how do we go from surely God is good to I almost lost my foothold. I, I love the reality of this because I've been saved a long time, but just because I've been saved a long time doesn't mean I haven't almost lost my foothold. That means I almost lost my, my, my step. Now, now some months ago in September, we, we preached, don't lose your footing. But, but you can slip. But when we begin to understand why the psalmist begin to slip, we begin to understand it was a matter of perspective. Let, let's look at why he began to slip. Let's look at verse 3. For I envied the arrogance when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Oh, he, he, here's the thing. I've been coming to church a long time, but I keep seeing folk who won't do right seem to be treated better than the folk who living for God. And, and if I'm honest, it doesn't seem fair. It seems like folk out there can do all kinds of... Ha, have you ever met somebody that just does folk wrong all the time and it seems like stuff work out for them? Some, some, some of y'all, it's your ex. Your ex was horrible to you. And then they marry the next person and want to do everything for them that they wouldn't do for you. And it don't make you happy. You want God to trip them. You want God to make their car go off the road. You, it, you want them to have food poison. It don't seem fair. Why, why you keep blessing them and you won't bless me? I gave a thousand in the offering. They ain't gave to nothing. They won't give to Red Cross. They won't give to nobody. And God, you keep blessing them to get raises. God, I don't understand it. We got to be honest. Sometimes when we look at folk, and that's the problem with perspective. God never wants us to look at people. That's why David said, uh, look into the hills. I will lift my eyes to the hills. From which cometh my help. Here's something that, that, that you probably haven't thought about. I've said it before, but let me say it again. Um, when I look this way, it's only so far I can look down. When I look to the side, my peripheral vision, it's only so far I can look out. When I look straight ahead, there's only so far I can look straight ahead. That's why people thought the earth was flat, because you can only see so far out. However, I can see the sun. And to tell me the sun is like 96,000 miles from the earth. So I can see the sun. I can see up. But I can't see that far down. Can't see that far to the side. And I can't see that far there, that way. So it means I was always designed to look up. Because I can see looking up. You can see planes flying over your head and they fly at 30,000 feet altitude in the air. That means I can see up. And here's the problem with our perspective. When you start looking at folk, you, start look, you stop looking up. Problem with Peter, he was walking on the water, but when he stopped looking at Jesus, he began to sink. And so here the psalmist said, I was looking at other folk and it started making me slip. All right, let, let's continue to read. Let's look at verse 4. You ever seen somebody 95 lighting up cigarettes? And you're like, now wait a second. I mean, how you get that old smoking, drinking, cussing, and fussing, and you got saints that can't make it past 40? It, it don't seem fair. Let's continue to read verse 5. They are free from common human burdens. They are not. 
ever seen somebody who's just carefree, don't have a problem in the world, and ain't a bit more saved than, as my mom would say, the man in the moon. Just, just ain't saved. They don't care about salvation. They don't care about God. They tell you, I'm atheist. I'm agnostic. I don't believe in that. I believe I'm going to reincarnate and come back like a fly. But you driving the bins and you driving this, that, and the other. And I, this don't seem right and fair to me. I'm not sure what is happening and what is going on. Let's, let, let's continue to read. This is what the wicked are like. Always free of care, they go on amassing wealth. Let, let's be honest. We don't mind if they wicked and broke. The problem is when they wicked and they keep on amassing wealth. We, we, we hear of what they call generational wealth. Wealth for generations of times. And, and uh, we, especially as African American people, we haven't tapped into generational wealth. And, and you got people who have just come up with all kinds of stuff and they are having generational wealth. You have kids who, who are, uh, they grow up and their whole estates are paid for with porn star money. With, with, uh, with all kinds of wickedness. And, and let me say this because I, I did some studying with a group when we were trying to go into schools and help people. They say that the porn industry makes more money than Major League Baseball, Major League Basketball, and National Football League together now I'm put together they make more money even like they doing wicked stuff and they seem to get over we serving God and sometimes we can't get our mics to work right in the church this don't seem fair they just keep on amassing wealth so so we have to we have to check our perspective let's continue to read verse 13. I'll, I'll read it surely. In vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. Here's the horrible thing about when we do complain to God, the devil slips in and this is what he gets us to believe. All I've been doing is in vain. I have kept my heart pure in vain. I've been saved in vain. I stopped cussing folk out at work in vain. I should have cussed them out. Next week, they getting a good cussing. I'm tired of holding my tongue. I'm tired. Listen, because it, 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 it ain't working. They keep getting promoted. I'm going to tell them what I really feel. It's in vain. It's in vain being a peach out of reach. Because the girl who's got seven different baby daddies, she keep getting men. And I can't get nobody. I'm getting ready to change what I'm doing. Forget all this. I love you, Pastor Andre, but I'm getting ready to do it my way. I'm tired of being lonely and cold. Listen, I ain't turning up the heat no more. I'm getting me a man. I'm cutting it with somebody. Please buy a puppy before you go that route. Just do but that's what happens. It makes you think this is all in vain. It's not worth it. Let's look at verse 14. And here's the problem. All day long I have been afflicted. And every morning brings new punishments. Here's the thing. If it was just one trial every six months, I wouldn't be complaining to God. But it is a trial on top of trial. It's death on top of death. It's bad news on top of bad news. It's trouble on top of trouble. It's, it's waves of trials that beat upon me. It, it's all of this culminating together. And if I'm being honest, I'm weak. I know the scripture says, let the weak say I'm strong. But I'm the weak and I'm going to tell you, I'm weak. That's what happens when... Your perspective gets in the wrong place. Let's look at verse 16. When I'm trying to understand all this, it troubles me deeply. Ah, here, 
Here's one of the things that I like. It gives us clues. Here's the problem. He tried to understand this on his own. You, you, you cannot understand spiritual things from a natural mind. And what I need you to understand, ever since this decade has come, if you remember 2019, God had me preach a series called Blind Spots, which basically meant there are things coming that we cannot see. And we got to figure out how to move forward and not wreck even though we have blind spots. And this new decade has come with such heavy spiritual attack. And the reason why is because Satan know his days and his times are numbered. So he's attacking, he's attacking the saints. And so what you cannot do is look at a spiritual attack with a natural mind because you want to understand it. And the psalmist says, when I try to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. Let me put this up, deep trouble. Now, we, we, we ain't talking about little trouble. Some of y'all, 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 y'all quit God because somebody stepped on your Nike. Somebody stepped on my Nikes, Pastor. I can't serve God. Now, we're talking about deep trouble. We're talking about going through some deep stuff. We're talking about things that we can't always talk about. Let, let, let me talk to married people for a second. What's hard for married people is most everybody knows your spouse. So it's hard to really find a safe place to talk about your spouse without it getting out everywhere. So Sister uh, Flower is upset with, sister, with Brother Microphone. And so Sister Flower talks to Sister Speaker, but Sister Speaker tells it all, and now everybody knows the inefficiencies of Brother Microphone. So six months later, when it is Brother Microphone's birthday, and Sister Flower wants to throw a surprise birthday party for Brother Microphone because they didn't got the issues figured out, nobody shows up because everybody knows his business. So many times married couples suffer in silence because I don't know who I can. If I can't trust folk in the church, who can I trust? That's why we have to champion therapy. Sometimes you just have to get in marital counseling and, and work think, through things. But there's a lot of things that you can't talk about, especially family matters, things that goes on in the family. You, you, you have a close family member steal money from you. You can't, you can't tell and blab that to everybody. So you suffer in silence. I'm talking about deep trouble that church folk go through. Ain't just my folk in the world. Folk in the world, they snort their problems away or try to drink their problems away or shoot their problems away. Up. They medicate their pain, but we don't have those options if we're doing it right. I, I, I told you I don't mind having a glass of something, but I don't like the feeling of being out of control because I know who I am when I'm out of control. So I got to sip and put it down. But there's times I don't want to sip and put it down. Give me the whole bottle. Give me that big, big. I want that big, big margarita. I want to be able to put my arms around it. I want to drown my sorrows away. But I can't do that. I got a church I need to leave. And even if I could handle it, it would not be good for you to see me sitting at a table with a big old drink. No, I have to have some, some uh, leadership about myself. I got to be able to put myself together. So there's certain things I just can't do even when I want to do it. Now, it's not a sin, but it wouldn't look good for me holding up the whole line at the gas station because I'm buying every lottery car they got. Give me this, give me that. Well, pastor, when you going to trust God? So there's some, I can't do what everybody else does because of the calling I have on my life. And guess what that does? It makes it lonely at the top. The higher you go up, the lonelier it gets. And sometimes the troubles are deep. And when it's grief, at some point the call stop coming, the text stop coming, the car stop coming, and it's just you and your lost loved one. And, and, and you got to deal with it somehow by yourself. So how does this seem fair? Let's, let's put the graphic back up that you guys had up. Here's something that I want to point out. Aesop, who was writing this particular Psalms, Job and Jeremiah are three examples of wrestling deeply with the pain of serving God when life seems 
consistently unfair. It's one thing, like I said, if it's trials every now and then. But when you get in a season where life consistently seems unfair and you're yet called to serve God, there is a wrestle that's deep in your soul and it's painful. Very painful. Let me, let me talk to those who are in ministry. You can get up here and preach a powerful message and the very thing you preach about, the devil will get all up in your face about it. You can get up and testify about my God is blessing my marriage. The next several months, your marriage is going to go through hell. Because whatever you declare and proclaim, that's what the devil is coming after. The scripture says that persecution comes on account of the word. All right, let's, let's, let's read this. Let's look at what happened. Psalms 73, 17. He was having all these complaints until I entered the sanctuary of God. That's why you can never forsake the assembling of yourselves together because there's something that happens when you push yourself to the sanctuary. I thank God for y'all online, but let me tell you something. If you can get here, I get here because there's something that happens in the sanctuary. My perspective shifts when I get in the sanctuary. The old songs used to say, coming down, down, down. Coming down, down, down. The glory of the Lord is coming down. When the saints begin to pray and let the Lord have his way, the glory of the Lord starts coming down. I, I thank God that I got a sanctuary where I can feel the presence of God and I can feel the glory of the Lord coming down and changing my perspective. Some of y'all know it was rough, but somehow you pressed your way to the house of God. And it wasn't always just a sermon. It was a smile. It was a handshake. It was a hug. It was a little girl running up and waving her hand and praising when the praise was going forth. That did something to your soul that lets you know I can move forward. I'm so glad I got the sanctuary. But here's the beautiful thing. And this is for y'all online people as well. Here's the beautiful thing. The church is not the four walls. The church, the four walls is a place where the church comes together. So really the church is you. So sometimes you got to go inside yourself and get inside the sanctuary of yourself. And last week I told you, you got to command your soul and step inside your spirit. Because out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. I got life inside of me when death is out there. I got joy inside of me when pain is out there. I got peace inside of me when confusion is out there. And if you mess with me long enough, I'll get silent. And what's wrong with Andre? No, I'm just going inside. And I'm grabbing something down from the inside. I'm kind of like the old cartoon, The Transformers. They had the Autobots and the Decepticons. And the Autobots were just cars. And they looked like regular cars. But every now and then, <coughs> they would transform. And I got a transforming power down on the inside of me. I won't be broke forever. I'm getting ready to transform. I can't stay depressed. I'm getting ready to transform. I'm getting ready to come up out of this trouble. I know what the Decepticon is trying to do. I know what the devil is trying to do. He's trying to make me complain and give up. But there's no quit in me. There's no give up in me. I know the God that I serve. I'm going to transform. And guess what? I'll be better than what you see me the last time. This is the brokest you ever see me. This is the most depressed you ever see me. This is the most pain you ever see me in. I'm coming up out of this. I'm transforming. I'm going inside the sanctuary and I'm coming out. And I'm coming out strong. I almost start singing Diana Ross. I'm coming out. But I decided to spare y'all that. Let's look, let's look at this. Asaph. Job and Jeremiah all had similar perspective shifts. 
Job had to be caught up in the whirlwind. And God began to talk to God, to Job from the whirlwind and his perspective began to shift. But I want to go to Jeremiah real quick because Jeremiah was in the trouble and the book of Lamentations, all Lamentations is about is the weeping that Jeremiah had based on the call of God that was on his life. Let me just give you a little background. Jeremiah was set in a time where he was the only prophet really hearing from God. And he was prophesying, we are getting ready to go into exile. God is not pleased with us. And all the other prophets were saying, no, we are blessed. We're favored. God's getting ready to give us strength. And God kept giving Jeremiah these bad news prophecies. And so they hated Jeremiah. They locked Jeremiah up. Jeremiah went in all kinds of trouble. At one time, he had to walk around naked. We don't know if he was fully naked or just with a loincloth. And, and, and saying, y'all going to be in exile. And they would not listen to Jeremiah. And Jeremiah 20 and 9, where that comes from, is Jeremiah said, I'm tired of talking. I'm tired of doing this, God. Nobody's listening to me, and you keep making it worse for me. And so he said, I'm quitting. He's like, I'm putting the mic down. I quit. But then Jeremiah said, but it was like fire. Shut up in my ball. I, I couldn't stop it if I tried. And I'm here to let you know some of y'all, you can't quit if you try. You got the towel in your hand, but you can't throw it if you try. Because God has done something down in your sanctuary. So let's look at Lamentations uh, 3. Let's read Lamentations 3 and 1. I am the man that has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. Verse 2. He's talking about God. He's complaining to God. Let's look at verse 3. Surely against me is he turned. He turned his hand against me all the day. It don't seem like God is on my side. You're talking about I'm blessed and highly favored. Well, that ain't my testimony. I'm hurt. But let's continue to read. Let's look at the perspective shift. Verse 19. Here is the problem. He kept remembering the problem. He kept focusing on the problem. He kept focusing on the divorce. He kept focusing on the failed marriage. He kept focusing on the locked up child. He kept focusing on the health. He kept focusing on the grief. Here's the thing. You have to, you have to deal with it momentarily, but when it takes all your focus and you remember it consistently, it pulls you in a pattern and it lowers your perspective to the problem. Somebody said instead of always telling God how big your problem is, you have to sometimes tell your problem how big your God is. And when you focus only on the problem, it lowers your perspective. But let's look at verse 21. This I recall to my mind. Therefore have I hope. I said it last Sunday, total recall. That's why you have to have something down in your sanctuary that you can recall. And so what Jeremiah said, he said, this I recall to my mind. And what it does, it triggers my hope. Because what it does, it shifts my perspective from what I'm looking at to something that I had buried deep in me. Thy word have I hid in my heart. Let's look at the next verse. My God. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because his at the end of the day, I still have to thank God for his mercy. Because what I'm in, I should have died in it. What I'm in, it should have took me out. What I'm in, I should be in the crazy house. But somehow, I'm still here. And somehow, I still have my mind. And somehow, I'm still breathing. And somehow, I'm still living. It's the mercy of God. Yes, it hurts, but it's the mercy of God. Yes, I'm going through, but it's the mercy of God. I'm so grateful that in the pandemic, I still have the mercy of God. Psalms 23 says, surely... Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I'm in trouble, but I got goodness. I'm in trouble, but I got mercy. I'm hurting, but I got goodness. I'm hurting, but I got mercy. God ain't going to leave me by myself. I got something with me. 
You see me talking to myself. I'm not talking to myself. I have an entourage. I got the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and I got goodness and mercy around me. I got five folk with me every time I step out the house. And I got angels encamped around about me. So if you see me talking to myself, mind your business. I'm talking to the God that's put his mercy on me. His goodness is running after me. His goodness is running after me. His grace is running after me. His love is running running after me. And guess what? God keeps communicating Christ's love compassionately to me when I'm in trouble. He lets me know I still love you. You're not done. Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. Don't roll over. Don't let the devil get the upper hand. God is still going to bring you out. God's still going to turn it around. And late in the midnight hour, God can still turn the thing around. I still believe God. And why, 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 why? Here's the next verse, verse 23. I used to think the trouble was new every morning, but his mercy is new every morning. And great is his faithfulness. So here, here's the point. Asa's perspective after being in the sanctuary. So I wanted to t- t- just throw Jeremiah in there real quick. And here's Aesop's perspective. And then we'll close from here. Let's look at Psalms 73, 18. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. Here, here, here's, here's the shift. The shift, I'll, I'll go ahead and explain to you real quick. At the beginning of the verse, he starts off when he begins to look. He begins to say a lot of I and they. I and they. But then he shifted to you, God. And when he looked at God, he realized they were in a worse position than him. So he says, you actually are placing them on a slippery ground. I thought I was going to slip, but they're the ones who's actually slipping. And we're not talking about just people who are sinning. We're talking about the wicked of the wicked. Let's look at verse 19. Verse 20. They are like a dream when one awakes. When you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasy. Ooh, that, that's really deep. Let me, let me see if I can talk about it just for a second. You're like a, they are like a dream when one awakes. What happens many times when you awake from a dream, you forget what you dream. Some of the people that you're looking at are going to be forgotten. Don't, don't, don't trade places with them because they are forgettable. There's nothing great about them. Yes, they may have some money now. And yes, they may have some men and some women now. And yes, they may look like they're doing better than you. But at the end of the day, when it looks at their dash, they will be forgotten. What do you mean the dash? I'm talking about the day they were born and the day they died. There's a dash in between. In the dash, they will be forgotten because only what you do for Christ is going to last. And so what I need you to understand, I'm going to be remembered because I'm living for Christ. Don't look at them. Don't get distracted by them, the wicked folk. Because they're going to mount, they're not going to mount to a hill of beans. Let's look at verse 21 and 22. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Now, Aesop is checking himself. He said the problem was once I started looking at them, I started grieving. That's okay, but the problem was then my bitterness got in my spirit. And once bitterness got in my spirit, I started functioning out of ignorance. And I started doing ignorant things. Here's the thing. Once you start walking away from God, you're living in ignorance. You're allowing bitterness to get in your soul. Don't allow what you've gone through to get bitter in your spirit. Don't allow the breakup to make you bitter. Here's the thing I've always promised myself. I'm going to try to be better and not bitter. Now, 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 the pain may be bitter, but I'm going to be better through the pain. I won't allow the bitterness of the pain to get into my soul. And let me tell you something. There's nothing worse than a bitter person. Bitter people can be beautiful on the outside, but the ugliest, most hateful people you ever want to deal with because they're bitter. And there's some bitter folk in the church. 
sit in their seat if you if you want to. Park in their space if you want to. And I I I don't want to be around no bitter booger, boogers, no bitter boogers. I'm making a new word. I don't want no bitter boogers in my life. I want we've all been through enough stuff to be bitter, but we gotta be better. I like coffee, but I don't like it when it's bitter. I like tea, but I don't like it when it's bitter. I, you, there's nothing good about being bitter. And Asaph said he rubbed the risk of being bitter because he was allowing those things to get in his spirit. All right, let's look at verses 23 through 24. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will take me into glory. That, this is what Asaph began to understand. He said, wait a second, even when I got bitter, even when I was doing ignorant stuff, you were still with me. You were still grabbing me by my hand. You, you, you still, I, I, I've been fussing, hollering, and, and honking the horn and yelling at folk. And then when I pulled up in the mall parking lot, you still allowed somebody to back up and I still got a good space. You, you still showed me favor when I was acting ugly. So guess what? I'm going to stop acting ugly, God, because I want your favor to rest on me. I don't want to have favor on my life, and I'm consistently acting ugly. Let's, oh, ooh, let, me, let me throw this out there. Some, some folk act ugly around this time, Christmas time. And them folk know they could have got me a better gift than this. You mean you're going to be mad a whole year over a gift? Come on, grow, grow beyond that. Do, 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 do better. All right, let, let, let's look at verse 25. Brother Donald, when I got to this scripture, it reminded me of you. Because you used to sing a song years ago that said, who have I in heaven but you? And this is what Aesop was saying. At the end of the day, I only got you. You, 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 you're the only one I got. And here's the thing. You're the one who's already in the other place that I'm trying to get to. So why would I be bitter at you when you're the only one who can get me where I need to go? Because even though it's rough here, there's no pain over there. There's no sickness over there. There's no grief over there. So why would I turn my back on the only person who can get me over there? So God, I'm going to lock into you because, because of you, heaven is my goal. Because of you, heaven is my reward. Because of you, I'm going to be blessed here and I'm going to be blessed there. I'm going to be blessed today and I'm going to be blessed in the future. So I can't let go of you, God. Who do I have in heaven but you? And at the end of the day, there's nothing on earth I desire more than you. Because I've had new cars, and they didn't do me like you did. I've had a man and a woman, and she couldn't do me like you did. And that's why the old saints would say, can't nobody do me like Jesus. Can't nobody do me like the Lord. And then they would say, because he's my friend. At the end of the day, everything I've tried has let me down. You're the only one that's been consistent and constant in my life. So, God, I'm going to put my hope and my trust in you and you alone. Verse 26. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Donald, I can hear you singing that song. You are my heart. You're my strength of my heart, and you're my portion forever. My flesh may fail. My money may slip. My marriage may change. But God, you steal my God. God, you steal my footing. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but only lean on Jesus' name, on Christ the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is seeking sand. So let me throw another song. Because of that, I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. 
I'm understanding that, listen, no matter what I go through, if I go through with God, I'm going to be okay. And the DT, you're going to be okay because you got God in your life. Last two verses, and this is how we'll close. Read. Those who are far from me, from you, will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. Oh, hold on. Don't let me trip. Don't let me start tripping and start becoming unfaithful to you because the reward for unfaithfulness is destruction. So God, let me hold on to you. That's why, I don't know why I got all these old songs coming up. That's why I hold to his hand. God's unchanging hand. Build your hopes on things eternal and hold to God's unchanging hand. Verse 28 in the final verse. But as for me. Ah, here, here comes that but. But as for me. Come on. It is good to be near God. Oh, it's good to be near God. I may be in trouble, but I'm near God. I may be in pain, but I'm near God. I might be going through, but I'm near God. And because the writer says, but it's good for me, it cancels out all the other complaints. I'm near you. At the end of the day, don't take your Holy Spirit away from me, God. As long as I can have your presence, as long as I can have King Jesus, as long as I can feel your anointing, as long as I can be touched by your presence, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to bounce back because I'm going to be okay. I'm near God. I'm with God. God is with me. And God is with you. I'm going to make it in the house because I got God on my side and God in my life and God above me and God below me and God around me and God in me and God for me. I got God everywhere. I'm a walking God in the earth because God is on my side and he's on your side. He ain't just good to the pastor. He's good to Erica. He's not just good to pastor. He's good to Reva and he's good to Alan. He's good because he's good. God is good all the time and all the time God is good. I'm so grateful he didn't give up on me. I'm so grateful he didn't walk out on me. I'm so grateful he hasn't kicked me out. I'm so grateful that God is on my side. I'm so grateful that I know God and he knows me. He knows my name. He knows who I am and he knows who you are. He knows Kiana and he knows Krista and he knows all of y'all. He knows Will and Lynn and Devin and Damari. I wish I could call your name. God is on our side. Let's finish this last verse. Come on, everybody stand to our feet. Let's finish this last verse. Mother Mitchell, read it in its entirety. When they put the verse up, we're going to read it in its entirety. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. This is the only thing I ask for y'all, is when he bring you out. Tell of all his deeds. I, one day we're not gonna have the preacher preach. I'm talking about me. We're just going to have a Holy Ghost testimony service where somebody can say, God did it for me, and God did it for me, and God blessed me, and God delivered me. We ain't got to tell the whole story, but tell the world. Go and tell somebody that God will carry you through. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, God, as we contemplate and as we focus, God, on the problem, we lose sight of who you really are. So, God, our perspective will change from focusing on the problem to being like Aesop and focusing solely on you. Because you are the one that can bring us out. Now, God, 2022 is on the horizon. And 2021 and 2020 has been rough for Deliverance Temple. But we're not going out raggedy. We're not going out with our head down. But we're coming into that new year believing God. We got to make our apostle and our bishop proud. And he don't want us sticking our heads down and crying all day. He wants us going forward and going strong. Saving souls, saving men, saving women. Uh, uh, winos, drug addicts, saving them all. God, we're going to do it because we're going to tell of your goodness. And Satan, this is the lowest you're going to ever see us because we're going up all the way to the top. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name.
Somebody shout, amen and amen. Before we, before we go, I'm going to come over here. Would you guys get me this camera? I'm going to look into our online audience. If there's anybody here under the sound of my voice that doesn't know Jesus and the Lord of his life, as well as anybody here, would you just pray these prayers? Father God, come into my life. Come into my heart. Save me from my sin. And I'll hold on to you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you.